Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We're reading in the book of Leviticus. Now, last time we read Leviticus chapter 18, and that was on all types of different immoral relations. And we're talking a lot of sexual relations there, okay? Now we're ready to move on and read Leviticus chapter 19. I am reading from the Amplified Bible. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you shall respect his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves molten gods, images cast in metal. I am the Lord your God. Now when you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it and on the day following. And if anything remains until the third day, it shall be burned in the fire. But if it is eaten at all on the third day, it is repulsive. It will not be accepted by God as an offering. Everyone who eats it will bear the responsibility for his wickedness, for he has profaned a holy thing of the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from his people, excluding him from the atonement made for them. Now when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings, grain left after reaping, of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather its fallen grapes. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So just want to notice how this is starting out in this chapter. We're getting into things that are not just like letter of the law legalism. To me, they're starting to show more of the heart of God in that. We should respect our mother and father, and then we should also show respect to God in turn and not worship idols. And then there's this on following the sacrifice, uh, the, the way the sacrifice is supposed to be done. Then now we get, we get down to the daily business of living your everyday life, and we're getting into when you harvest your land, you know, whatever little bits of stuff is that like falls to the wayside or that is left and is not reaped, you know, leave that for the poor and for those who need it. And we, we read about this in other parts of the Bible, such as uh, I believe it is Ruth, that uh, we read about her actually going and gathering gleanings from the field. This is an example of us being aware of how blessed we are. And trying to share, even even in a roundabout way, I mean, that's kind of a simple, easy way to share. It's like, well, I had this left over, so I'm just going to leave that for whoever wants it. Let them come and get it. So that is, in itself, starts to show more of the heart of what God has in mind for his people. And I think we're going to see more of that as we go through the rest of this chapter. So let's read on. You shall not steal, nor deal deceptively, nor lie to one another. You shall not swear an oath falsely by my name, so as to profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. 
You shall not oppress or exploit your neighbor nor rob him. You shall not withhold the wages of a hired man overnight until morning. You shall not curse a deaf man nor put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God with profound reverence. I am the Lord. You shall not do injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor show a preference for the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. You shall not go around as a gossip among your people, and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor with slander or false testimony. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You may most certainly rebuke your neighbor, but shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take revenge nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor. And in parentheses they have as your neighbor, acquaintance, associate, companion. So let me reread this. But you shall love your neighbor, acquaintance, associate, companion, as yourself. I am the Lord. So we see here expressed in these verses. Uh, these are verses, let's see, it's 11 down through 18. Basically, God also telling us to love our neighbor as ourself. That encapsulates all these other things, because if we do that, just like the Lord told us, you know, Jesus says this, if we do that, we will fulfill all the rest of this. We'll, we won't steal, we won't lie, we won't be deceptive to one another, we won't oppress or exploit our neighbor, we won't, you know, we'll, we'll have justice and, and do justice instead of being partial to the poor or the rich or the great, and we will be fair. And we will treat people properly and not gossip and not hate our brother in our heart, which you notice is a big thing. You may most certainly rebuke your neighbor. In other words, you may correct someone if they're doing something wrong, but don't hate them in your heart. Because that's, that's the part where it says, but shall not incur sin because of him. In other words, just because someone is doing something wrong or has done something wrong, you don't need to hate them. and and cause yourself to sin just because they did something wrong. Maybe they sinned in some manner. So, again, this gets back to loving your neighbor as yourself. And this is something that the Lord stressed as being very important for us to follow. And you see it here in Leviticus. So what Jesus taught wasn't really anything new even at that time. It was just he stressed that more so they would understand the idea. Let's continue on. You are to keep my statutes. You shall not breed together two kinds of cattle. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed, nor wear clothing of two kinds of material mixed together. Now, if a man has intimate relations with a woman who is a slave acquired for marriage to another man, but who has not been redeemed nor given her freedom, there shall be punishment after an investigation. They shall not be put to death because she was not free, but he shall bring his guilt offering to the Lord, to the doorway of the tent of meeting, a ram as a guilt offering. The priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering, 
before the Lord for his sin which he has committed, and he shall be forgiven for his sin. Here we have a couple of different things. First, there's the verse 19, there's this about breeding animals and sowing your field and not wearing clothing of two kinds of material mixed together. I can't speak much to them. There are probably very practical reasons for that. We have to remember they lived a long time ago. Um, I am not aware of why these things would matter so much. But I'm sure there's a good reason for it. I just don't know what that is, so I can't speak to that. The other verses, though, about man having an intimate relations with a woman who is a slave, even though she's supposed to be going to someone else, but she hasn't been redeemed yet, so she's not being, like, purchased. So there can be punishment for doing that, knowing that she is to be purchased and knowing that she is supposed to go to another person. But, you know, in their day and age, in this time, because they did have, I mean, we have to admit that since man has been around on the earth, slavery has been a part of life. And, and even today, there are places where there are slaves, unfortunately. We don't believe in that. We don't think that's a good thing. But it has always been a fact of life. And so they had to deal with that even back then, even back uh, in the, this is before they even really entered into and took over the promised land. So this is in their wanderings in the wilderness that they're being given these laws. So even then, you know, they had to take account for this. It's not that it's a good thing. It's not that God approves of slavery. It's just that that was a fact of life that that could happen. When the Roman Empire, when they conquered people, they always enslaved a certain number of people. Most empires did. And then a certain amount of people they would displace and move other people in. And they would, you know, they would try to do different things to get the new land or the new conquered people to be integrated into their society. So there's a lot of different things that, that the Romans and other conquering nations did like that. So they, so you ended up with slavery being pretty rampant in the old world, just to be fair. I mean, it was just a fact of life. So let's read on. When you enter the land and plant all kinds of trees for food, then you shall consider their fruit forbidden. For three years the fruit shall be forbidden to you, it shall not be eaten. In the fourth year all the fruit shall be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. In the fifth year you may eat the fruit of the trees. This is so that their yield may increase for you. I am the Lord your God. To me, especially if you'll notice the last verse there, this is so that their yield may increase for you. This is to give the trees time to really get established and to really grow well. I believe this was in their own best interest in the trees that they were planting and growing there. You shall not eat anything with the blood, nor practice divination using omens or witchcraft or soothsaying. You shall not trim and round off the side growth of the hair on your heads, nor mar the edges of your beard. You shall not make any cuts on your body in mourning for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. And this is partly where I get some of my idea where I say, you know, I think, now, if you already have tattoos and piercings and things, that's, that's fine. I'm not trying to condemn anybody over these things. I don't think these things are 
terribly important, strictly speaking. But I do believe that once you become a Christian, you realize that making these marks, tattoos and, and piercings and things, these are old signs of things that are wrong, that are immoral. These are signs of, of the old life and should be considered a part of the old person who you used to be and not part of who you are because God doesn't want us to scar our body and make tattoos and piercings and all these things, all these signs of some of these were, were old, ancient signs of slavery, and some were other things that showed uh, uh, a worship of other gods and different things. So, and in this case, he does mention making cuts on their body and mourning for the dead. That was probably a practice by some uh, societies as well. Nonetheless, he's telling us not to do those things. We don't need to mark or scar or maim ourselves. Now, the one funny thing is about not trimming and rounding off the side growth of the hair on your heads, nor mar the edges of your beard. I do not know or understand or claim to know or understand that. That is, again, probably something in society that maybe they did way back then that made sense to them. I know nowadays grooming our beards and our hair is a normal thing, so I, I don't know. Why that would have mattered, maybe that was so they would have a distinctive look and people would know them for who they were. I'm, I'm not sure. So, going to move on. Do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute so that the land will not fall to prostitution and become full of wickedness. You shall keep my Sabbaths and revere my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Now, of course, here, I mean, of course, we don't want to fill the land with prostitution and evil and wicked things. We see that even in today's society, we see that there's a battle to uh, to prevent these types of promiscuous activities because of all the harm they bring. Notice, so that the land will not fall to prostitution and become full of wickedness. When we allow these evil things to occur, it creates more wickedness. It creates more evil and more trouble for the nation, for everyone, not just me, not just those around us, but it spreads and it becomes worse and worse. And we see that in society today, how things, they start just a little bit, you give just a little bit, they start small and then they grow into these big problems. Do not turn to mediums who pretend to consult the dead or to spiritists who have spirits of divination. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Now, here, this is an obvious thing that we should not be seeking out people who consult the dead. Whether you believe that that's even possible or not, there is some, uh, at least one story in the Bible that sort of hints that it may be possible to do that, but we should not be doing that. I don't necessarily believe that it's really possible. I believe it may have been possible back then because things were different before Jesus came. But even if it were possible, we should not be doing that. We are not to consult the dead. We are to consult God. We are to look to the Lord for our guidance. And that includes these spiritists who have spirits of divination. Well, what spirits do we think those are? They're not from God. So who else would they be from? Well, they're from Satan, right? 
I mean, that's I'm I'm a black and white person. That's the way I look at it. It's it's straightforward to me because he says, do not seek them out to be defiled by them. If we go to them, we are going to the wrong source. And that's something we need to be aware of. Now, let's continue on. You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall fear your God with profound reverence. I am the Lord. When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress or mistreat him. But the stranger who resides with you shall be to you like someone native born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Notice again how this refers back to what Jesus taught. And, well, actually, I mean, notice how Jesus referred back to this, what God taught them way before. This was obviously God's intent all along that we would even treat the strangers, someone who's not maybe native-born or someone we don't necessarily know. Maybe they're not a part of our family or congregation or town. We should still treat them well, and we should still treat them. You shall love him as yourself, right? Still comes back to that, and that's what Jesus was telling us. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measurement of weight or quantity. You shall have just and accurate balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hen. Which is, a hen is supposed to be about one gallon, according to a note I have here. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall observe and keep all my statutes and all my ordinances and do them. I am the Lord. That's the end of Leviticus chapter 19. I know I kind of went through a lot more of this because a lot of this I can immediately relate to what the Lord also talked to us about and mentioned to us. And you can see some of this appearing later in, in some of the other prophets and what they speak and what they teach, especially this about being just, having integrity, and having accurate balances and weights. Think about that, not just in your business dealings, but think about that spiritually and how you interact and treat others at all times, that you want to be just and fair and have integrity. So all of these things are important, and these are the things that Jesus stressed as well, but he stressed it in that, that one way by saying, you know, we love our neighbor as ourselves. And just as God said here about the stranger, the person we don't know, maybe they're not even a neighbor, they're a stranger, but we shall love them as ourselves. So it's important to note these things and realize what Jesus was talking about. He was pulling out the weightier, more important matters from the law and stressing those so that we would understand in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, what's being stressed, what's important. It's knowledge of God, and it's how we treat others, and it's a loving God first, right? So we put Him in the center of our being, the center of our lives, and then we move and grow from there out toward everyone else. So I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.